When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of this here galaxy and the one far, far away, this is Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. It's me, Ken Napsok. It's Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa, all here to look at the journey, question mark, of Luke Skywalker today. We're going to have a lot of fun diving in. But welcome, friends. Welcome. Oh, I'm happy to be here at the center of two different galaxies. <laughs> you know, we got double centered today. That's great. Or maybe it's the same, and we just don't know. We're going to find out <laughs> in season four of Battlestar Galactic. All right, we're all angels. <laughs> oh. Uh, speaking of angels, oh. hey Jennifer Landa, welcome back. Oh, that's so kind. Uh, thank you. I'm so happy to be back. The mainland. I was in Cape Cod for a long time, <laughs> eating lobster rolls every day. And now the mainland is foreign to you. <laughs> yes. What are your ways here? Yeah, what are your ways? What are your ways? In landlocked Los Angeles. What are these things that you walk on? <laughs> Streets, you say? <laughs> not, not nice manicured lawns. Uh, we're going to catch up here in a bit, but I always want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll give you our Force Center recommendation of an audiobook we think you might enjoy or listen again for the first time. Mm. All right. We'd like to catch up with some Star Wars adventures, and I think we have a lot on the table to discuss. I don't want to bury the lead, Joseph. You've had uh, a lot of Star Wars fun. I did. I went to the John Williams concert at the Hollywood Bowl, which is by default a Star Wars adventure. Yes. Which was, that was one of the most fascinating things. So, you know, you you walk in and they're selling all sorts of Star Wars related merch. And you got this great uh, t shirt of the Death Star floating above the Hollywood Bowl, but it's a disco ball. It's great. uh, and they're selling lightsabers, and I bought a lightsaber so I could nice. be a part of the crowd. And there's children dressed as Jedi. Uh, there was a, a woman dressed, just totally dressed as Rey. 
And then my wife opens the program. And is like, there's no Star Wars music. And it's like, there's, there's got to be. Like, I understand it's not in the program, but there right. will be. Because, like, how do you, how do, you do that? So, like, uh, yeah. You can use your lightsabers during E.T. Yeah, right. Schindler's during, List. During that Hulk. seemed inappropriate. <laughs> uh, so the, the thing that ended up being really cool about it is uh, the, on, his encore that wasn't listed was Star Wars music. Uh, uh, but the really moving thing to me about the whole evening, it was... Uh, the second half that actually had John Williams because the first half was another conductor mm. conducting John Williams music. And uh, then it was hosted by Steven Spielberg. And it had wow. this great... Yeah, he was great. He was charming. John Williams was amazing. But it really... Um, they introduced everything to sort of uh, set up who John Williams is, not just in the world of Star Wars. Because mm-hmm. I think... I tend to think of John Williams as like, his amazing music was one of the ingredients to the success of Star Wars, and it was right. so wise to have this music that was orchestral and not a disco soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure the executives would have wanted. Yeah, but th- just uh, the whole evening told the story of how movie music was looked down upon, and it mm. was not a part of the you know proper highbrow mm. orchestral live concert. Mm. symphonic music mm. movies were like this cheap little thing you did and like even John Williams said like well I, I used to be in the LA Phil you know mm. and then just a few years later I wrote Star Wars and then the next year they demanded that I came and was the conductor and like really you want me to yeah. conduct <laughs> the orchestra yeah. uh, and, and it was just a celebration of this this man has made a difference not only in the yeah. movie magic of creating the, the great sound of movies, but changing this other part of the world, this yeah. highbrow world of, mm-hmm. of classic music and making it more blend with the world of popular art. Right. That's really important to look at it in that way. We as Star Wars fans obviously know he's a secret sauce, as George would say. But yeah, yeah uh, you know, I love looking at the credits of Johnny Williams back in like <laughs> 60s TV. But yeah. to see, yeah, we forget that's another thing that I, that's not just Star Wars that can take, you know, credit for that, but that that's part of it. Jaws around the same time, everything too. Yeah, that's that's yeah. just interesting. And for have Spielberg to be there, yeah, who you know, you know, Williams changed a lot of his movies. Yeah, Oof, that's, and they that's... talked about their relationship, and you know, it just it set up the concert really well because there's this amazing tension of so many people yeah. dressed as uh, Star Wars characters, <laughs> uh, or so many people having the lightsabers, of uh, people having Harry Potter wands and wearing Harry Potter robes and hoping for that. So they're like, it's obviously like, this is about pop culture to, yeah. to a certain extent, uh, and the Hollywood Bowl kind of does feel like you're having this ridiculously right. huge picnic with Los Angeles, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and visiting people. Uh, but then the concert was really like. But no, this is a celebration of John Williams and his music. Mm. So, like, they had a uh, a piece from Minority Report that they're just like, we know nobody's here is dressed up from Minority <laughs> Report, but this is a beautiful piece of music. And then that was that sort of flip side of like, mm. these yes, they happen to be from m- movies, yeah. but these are beautiful pieces of music, and it partially doesn't matter where they're from. Right. I had the pleasure of seeing him two years ago, and he uh, he led with a piece from Hook. And I'm not too familiar with it, but I had a friend who was, and, and I had videotaped it and sent it to her. She was, she was home crying because it's like one of her favorite movies from her childhood and everything. So it's a good reminder. Yeah. Uh, all those lightsabers, though. Yeah, so, yeah. And th- that just had the great payoff because they did the whole concert. It was amazing. I won't go on and on about the rest of the concert, but when he kicked into the Star Wars theme, it's his encore, you know, because everybody right. bowed and a couple of people walked off and like, but wait. But. Uh, and uh, just the whole crowd went nuts with the lightsabers and the screaming. And 
there was a, a group of older people, like I would say like 70s yeah. in front of us. And one of them just did say, oh, my God, like <laughs> didn't know what was happening to him. Uh, my wife, Sarah, literally burst into tears yeah. because it, it was not only like Star Wars live by the man who wrote it, the man who's yeah. conducting it. But they had set up this journey of this song doesn't just mean what it means to us as Star Wars fans. He changed the whole damn world mm. with this song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Changed this relationship to classical music and pop culture with this song. And here he is on his 40th anniversary of conducting at the Hollywood Bowl. Mm. And like my, my wife is a classical music fan and grew up listening mm. to John Williams conducting the Boston Pop. So like mm. all of that came together for her. Oh, yeah. And she burst into tears partially because it was like all of this in yeah. one place. Yeah, just uh, just amazing. And then my, my last detail is that um, for Star Wars nerds, he played just the uh, the main theme. The Imperial March was a closer, but he started with uh, the track from Episode Eight: uh, "The Rebellion Is Reborn." Oh, really? Nice. Was, and that was very interesting because huh. it's a very different track. But he yeah. introduced it as uh, so. This is a piece of music I saw in the script that Luke Skywalker was going to say, "The Rebellion Is Reborn." And that made me feel like, well, I guess there's going to be at least another movie. <laughs> anyway, and then they played it. And it's this very sort of tentative but rising yeah. song of like, we're not sure, we're trepidatious, we're frightened, but we're going to get out mm. there and fight. That's great. Mm. Yeah. Great experience. Have you had a chance to see him, Jennifer? Yeah. Yeah, I saw him twice. And mm. I think one was definitely John Williams, where the similar experience, although I think some of Star Wars songs bled into like the middle part. I like what you're saying, though, because it is a journey that it takes the audience mm-hmm. on. I think that that's really cool. I think I also saw Star Wars in a concert, too, which obviously that yeah. was just yeah. <laughs> yeah. nuts. Star Wars fans. We were yeah. all crazy with our lightsabers. It's, it's, <laughs> I've, so I've only seen him once. It was actually two years ago, same weekend. He does it around the same time every year, right? Uh, uh, so I, uh, mine was mostly Star Wars, which is awesome, but... I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan, and he didn't play anything from Indiana Jones. Oh wow! And so you got to experience some of that. He had two tracks, two tracks. Indiana Jones. Wow. Yeah, well, Spielberg amazing. there. Yeah, Spielberg. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. but I like that it's a different experience. I I, I would yeah. hate it if it was just uh, he plays the hits yeah. and uh, you know uh, that, that, yeah. that's awesome. Good night. It was funny when Spielberg came out; everybody ignited their lightsabers and waved them at him. <laughs> it was sort of like close enough. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're friends with him. Yeah. Jason yeah. yeah. to George Lucas. You directed and, uh, that one yeah. part of Sith. Yeah. Uh, a couple of Schmodown fans and Four Center fans talked to me, so that was oh, also, that's also that's lovely cool. to shout out to them. And it's that's a always lovely nice. communal experience. Always nice. Uh, the picnic. I, I've never picnicked there. I've, I've walked through the picnics yeah. <laughs> to get there, but it's fun. If you guys out there listening have never had a chance to go to the Hollywood Bowl, whether it's John Williams or, or uh, I don't know, ELO, go Sound see them. Sound of music. Sound of music. Sing along. Yes, go see exactly. them. Uh, hell, I saw my, ba- my favorite band Oasis there. It's always fun to see anything there. Oh, it's, wow. it's, it's truly an experience. The Hollywood Bowl. Other Star Wars adventures. Jen, did you have anything specific? No? Just, no, no. just lobster cake? Lobster Lobster rolls, Nuffter soft roll. served ice cream, <laughs> dipped cones. Okay. Oh my gosh, it was wonderful. <laughs> it's like a Canto Bite like experience out there. Uh, it was. I got to go to a birthday party this weekend, my friend's 40th birthday party. He rented out like a warehouse that was a classic arcade. Oh, fun. And despite the being 110 degrees inside, mm-hmm. um, I got to play uh, the Pod Racer game, Ooh. the one with the old yeah. sit down one. So oh, you yeah. actually kind of learn how they had to. You know, move each lever to kind of control the pods. You flick some switches. Yeah, you flick s- some switches. <laughs> you get to yell, "It's working!" <laughs> um, but a lot harder than I remember because I never really played it in the arcade too much. I think once or twice. 
Um, I couldn't finish a race. Yeah. Only finish one race. Whoa. Because your time, you only get a certain amount of time to finish each, each lap, and then it starts going down. And Anakin's the fastest one of my choices were Anakin, Sepulba, and Gascano. Ooh. <laughs> so I stuck with Anakin, and then that wasn't working. So I went to Gascano. It's not working. It's not, it's not working. working. <laughs> uh, Gascano was not wizard. And then I went to Sepulba, <laughs> and that definitely didn't work. So I went back to Anakin. Finally finished one race. And I felt accomplished. And then the party was over. Oh, no. And my friend was like, uh, a friend I went with, Paul, was like, where are you at? And I was like, I've been front playing pod racer for 45 minutes. Great experience. That's awesome. Great That's experience. Awesome. Those are our Star Wars adventures. Uh, thank you, Joseph, for sharing uh, what you experienced at uh, John Williams, the Hollywood Absolutely. Bowl. Uh, a must for any Star Wars fan um, if you can see it. But, uh, you know, John is uh, ready to uh, relax with his career, so it's good to see see him this week and we're going to catch up with some news some stuff uh we're finally getting together uh, as a team to talk about and some newer stuff as well jennifer's back with the yes. news get ready to enjoy some blue milk cocktails because star wars land will be serving alcohol according to the disney parks blog the cantina and galaxy's edge will be called oga's cantina named after the new character oga gara I'm putting a Spanish accent on that. I don't think that that's right. Oga Gara, <laughs> who runs the joint. Like Moss Eisley's bar, Oga's Cantina is a place for visitors to unwind, conduct shady business, and even encounter a friend or a foe. The cantina will offer fun, non-alcoholic drinks, as well as beer, wine, and exotic libations for us, the Four Center crew. <laughs> this marks the first time uh, alcoholic beverages will be served inside the Disneyland Park, excluding Club 33, of course. Mm. So obviously, we will be sharing a cocktail or two at the yes. cantina. But there are some fans that are upset that Disneyland will be now serving alcohol. Do you guys foresee any limbs being lost <laughs> because of a bar fight at Galaxy's Edge? Uh, n- uh, only if it's a part of the act. Like, right. only if it's a part of the immersion. <gasps> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, not that I... Th- <laughs> yeah, you just came to Disneyland. You got your arm cut off. But... <laughs> wow, that was fun! That it's great. just... This is amazing. I mean, it's a it's a once-in-a-life... Uh, two times-in-a-life experience because <laughs> I have two limbs, and that's uh, it. Uh, no, I, I think... I totally... I, I was reading some of the classic uh, Disney fans... Uh, concerns and some discussion and talking about how Walt Disney didn't want it to be like Coney Island. Like mm. uh, mm. he didn't want it to be places that had become kind of like it's a bar with a Ferris wheel. And I don't mm. that I read the mm. quote. I've never mm. been to Coney Island. I don't I don't know how accurate that is. Um, but I feel like Disneyland is big enough. It, it there's enough security that it's to me. I'm not concerned about it turning into a frat party. Yes. Yeah, no, nah, they're they're pretty good. And Disney World has it, right? Yeah, Disney um, World obviously has different. It. And then California Adventure has it. We know which is right across right the across way from the way. Disneyland, so you can drink there and walk right with over. a park hopper pass. You can drink to your heart's content. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not too. Con- I understand sometimes a concern, but it's just it, it's it's a tradition thing that unless Walt is alive, frozen beneath Mad- the Matterhorn, I, I don't <laughs> think we have to worry too much. I understand his. I get it, Disney purist, but. Eh, it's Star Wars land. He didn't know there'd be a Star Wars land either. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I agree. There's, I mean, there's gardeners uh, who are actually security guards uh, hidden there at Disneyland. I've encountered them <laughs> there before. Are. There yeah. are. Oh, yes. James Bond himself yes. works at Disneyland. Wearing yes. Hawaiian shirts, I'll tell you. They come out of, like, the wallpaper. It's, it's creepy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I want to see that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I myself was confronted once because I thought I had a knife when I did. It was just oh. weird stuff. So I'm not concerned. There'll be some, you, you know what it'll be? It'll actually be like a stormtrooper. You'll be like, ah, you're <laughs> playing along. He's like, no, come with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. We're um, taking you to the sober tank, yeah. And we talked a little bit about a spotlight Star Wars with Mark Don- 
Danica, he's kind of a theme park expert and, oh. and aficionado. Uh, one of the things I learned from him was uh, um, it's only going to be inside the cantina. Yes. You're locked down. Yep. Joseph, you, you got to finish your drink. Yep. No problem. <laughs> I, I'm going to be there a long time waiting for my fast pass to come up to yes. the six person Millennium Falcon ride. Um, yeah. I think the big thing to me is I know uh, we I make a lot of jokes and post yeah. a lot of photos and we have some uh, drinks sometimes on the podcast. I right. totally understand people who don't. It's not important to them. They don't want it. That's fine. But I think for me, since this is trying to be immersion, mm-hmm, if it yeah. was just like, uh, we're, we're going to have some more things like Star Tours, mm. fine. But this is immersion, and they want to sell that cantina. They want to sell a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. So to me, selling immersion and then just being like, but only fruit juices <laughs> is <laughs> like, right. y- you want right. to get a little bit into the scum and villainy vibe. And yeah. I think if you're an adult who enjoys alcohol, it really helps with that immersion. Now, I would love, all I'll say, the train ride at Knott's Berry Farm where the holdup happens on it. I would love oh, a little yeah. interactive, you're sitting there drinking and oh, suddenly yeah. two bounty hunters get in a fight. Oh, be oh yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. And, and then we have a drink and go help. And then, <laughs> so, that's, <laughs> that's not part of it, sir. Please leave. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch t- the jetpack. Two things. Number one, I was like thinking about, oh my gosh, when I take my daughter, mm. you know, she'll be four or whatever. And it just like the idea as I experienced this past week vacation is never really a vacation when you have a three year old <laughs> when you go to a theme park you know it's a lot of fun but by goodness you need a you need a cocktail after waiting in line for hours I'm going to enjoy getting one at the cantina the second thing is I think what some people don't realize is that the prices are not we're not talking about like five dollar beers here uh, or, yeah. or eight dollar cocktails these cocktails are probably going to be between 15 and 20 dollars people are not going to be spending mm. like you know dropping a hundred but well maybe they will but that will kind of limit the intake that people you know mm. buy basically right. I think because you're I'm not going to be for the challenge. Yeah, and they're yeah. probably not going to be strong drinks as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're like pre-made cocktails. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, yeah, you, exactly. yeah. You're going to shake them up and put them in a little plastic cup. And Scientifically yeah. calibrated, so you can't get to that level of drunk where you're like, sure, another twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sobering price, literally. Right. So that's that's why I think we'll that's they'll awesome. curb hey, that. Hey, but the galaxy's edge is almost here. <gasps> oh, cool. Almost here. Yeah. Okay. So Entertainment Weekly gave us an exclusive look at Star Wars Resistance. Mechanic crew, known as Team Fireball. The team makes money to survive by racing and stunt flying, and the Fireball is the old ship they're trying to restore. It has a tendency to burst into flames. That's how they got the name. Uh, We learned that Yeager is the father figure of the crew. Tam is a fellow mechanic who used to be a racer before she lost her ship. Niku is the green alien who is incredibly positive and naive. And of course, Kaz, who is um, on an undercover mission for the Resistance. It seems like the show. Did you guys watch the the video that came along with that article? Yeah, the it's, Dave Filoni without a hat. Yeah, see, that was yeah, it's that so was weird. like whoa, wait. Um, but <laughs> he yeah, great. he did look great. It seems like the show is really centered around this crew and their races, and mm-hmm. it kind of felt like the undercover mission. Yeah, it's a part of it, but I think it's going to be more about this. Is how do you guys feel about the possibility that this show may just be kind of a fun cartoon? For a younger audience. I mean, I think, I don't want to say brace for impact, but like, yeah, that's what I think it's going to be. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. and that's that's a good thing, I think. I think that's what it's going to begin is. Yes. But I feel like even with this, I think it's just very, the strains of darkness 
are mm. also embedded in this and they can't get away from it. So I think the first season might be 90%, 95% racing and hijinks, but I'm, I'm so there for that 5% of the darkness is coming. And I think one of my favorite characters is Yeager, right? That's yeah. Yeager, because yeah. he is this old rebel pilot who doesn't want to get involved in these missions and keeps getting pulled in. So just mm. like that there, mm. if that's his character, then right there we're dealing with some of those generational themes of someone who understands the reality of war mm. versus people who think the galaxy is at peace. Ah. And, and we know we're going to have First Order. It right. could yes. just be chasing them in a fun little race, but we got, I, I don't think it's Cardinal, but it's... Cardinal red armor person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah uh, we'll see. I haven't. I don't know either way yet. But uh, yeah, you're right. I think we we've talked about how let, we should let the show grow mm-hmm. in front of us. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I think you know. Again, go back to that first episode of Rebels when Ezra's stealing fruit and run around and and being space Aladdin, and yeah. it's like, <laughs> okay, you know, and look where we end up. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, fellow parents out there, let me know if you agree. I've been watching a lot of Paw Patrol recently. And I kind of feel like this is like kind of like Paw Patrol where it's like Mm. cool gadgets, you know, the relationships, fast flying, cool ships and things like that. But obviously it's going to have a little bit more depth. But I'm I'm excited about Star Wars Paw Patrol. By the way, yeah, um, I was uh, tooling around YouTube like you do. You go down the wormhole. (laughs) wormhole. Somehow something came up for Sophia the First. I I know what that is. Thanks to Jennifer. (laughs) Ah, great. You're ready to do that trivia (laughs) contest of kids shows. shows. Can you name a kids show? (laughs) Move your trivia kid down. I also wanted to mention Bucket... The, the oh, droid, bucket. right? Bucket. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I love just mm. the detail that Bucket wears uh, rebel helmets on his head. Like, that's that's a great evolution <laughs> of a droid. It's just one is like, I'm so into racing. I'm going to wear these helmets. It's not an homage right. to former Guns N' Roses guitarist Buckethead? <laughs> I don't oh think my so. Gosh. I think he'd have it on backwards. Yeah. If that, was... oh, that takes me back. All right. Uh, so we are hearing rumors about some Star Wars casting news that we've all been waiting to be confirmed. According to StarWarsNews.net, Greg Grumberg will be reprising his role as resistance pilot Snap Wexley. While it has not been officially confirmed by Lucasfilm yet, the site discussing film contacted Grumberg's talent reps and they said he is indeed involved with Episode 9. Grumberg joins a growing list of frequent J.J. Abrams collaborators like Dominic Moynihan, who recently confirmed that he is joining the Episode 9 cast. Uh, So from a story standpoint, Snap Wexley and other Black Squad members were sent out on missions to Mm. recruit New Republic leaders who weren't killed on Hosnian Prime. You guys have kept up with Snap's happenings. Since The Force Awakens. Yeah, in fact, I just went to my comic shop yesterday, oh, yeah. and I'm some couple issues behind. I have issue 30, I think that's going to wrap up on 31, and I have the annual. So yeah, they're starting to answer the questions. Okay. So to me, the question, the, I, 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 I want to know if Jess Pava, Jessica Henswick's going to be back. Yeah. Right. That would work for me as well, just as in story. Yeah, yes. yeah. I'm happy for this, and I, I, I'm, I look forward to reading that arc with the yep. Black Squadron's other adventures, uh, mm. but I also just think that this could be a cameo. This could literally be, hey, there's some big battles, and there's a quick shot of Jess Bava. There's a quick shot of Greg Grunberg. Maybe he gets one line. That's what yeah. I was thinking, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how much of an arc can he really have? Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, mean, I guess he could, but... Well, it's the th- it is the problem of... Uh, if you're so wrapped up, like we are as fans, where we're reading the comics and the books, if you focus on maybe the books more of the comics, you're aware of all these stories. It is understandable that you would think, hey, all this should kind of connect and everything to the big way. But like, 
it's not important to the story of episode nine of, mm-hmm. hey, snap, how was your mission? <laughs> you know what I you want? Just yeah. to confuse people, I want a big triumphant moment where he's flying in, blowing stuff up, and he says, for Nora, for Mr. Bones. Yes. <laughs> now that. Uh, who? What? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love That'd it. That'd be good. Yeah. Well, in shocking casting news that came out of nowhere, I think, uh, Variety mm-hmm. reported that Doctor Who's Matt Smith has been cast in a key role. Yes. Everyone has been speculating <laughs> about who the Doctor could be playing. And, of course, many people think he's part of the First Order, perhaps part of the uh, Knights of Ren. But Joseph, I immediately thought of you <laughs> when I saw this. And I was like, okay, what is what are Joseph's thoughts? What are, what are his speculations? Give it to us. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm elated. Uh, I, I think he could be anything because Matt Smith has really great range. Like right. Now, there is the tradition of uh, British people playing First Order Imperial officers, so mm-hmm. I think that could possibly be it. I could see him also as a charming resistance leader. I could also see him as a really quirky DJ type character. Oh, uh, not fun. not a record DJ, <laughs> yeah, I was like, but the character <laughs> Last Jedi, yeah. uh, you know, that sort of third party character involved in something. I could see him playing just a real weirdo. Uh, maybe even some uh, makeup, some alien stuff. Uh, Matt Smith has really, really great range. I mean, he's he can do really innocent, really playful. He can do suddenly somber and very like dark and and heavy. Mm. Uh, he's a really great actor, and I, I'm thrilled because there's that Doctor Who connection. Uh, Star Wars has such a long and deep Doctor Who connection, so that's just really cool to me. Um, yeah. And I'm just cool. It's cool to see him attached to another big franchise. Because he's doing a great job of not being pinned as just the doctor, which is always right. a risk mm-hmm. in something like that. He's got the big role in the crown, mm-hmm. uh, and now this will be another feather in his Doctor Who cap. And uh, Terminator Genesis. Genesis. The Terminator. Why did they spell it that way? Yeah. Terminator Genesis. Yeah. So I, yeah, I am familiar with him. Obviously, from even though I'm not a Doctor Who fan, I know know his work in that regard. But I don't know the depth of his work. So, so. Uh, he he can do character comedy like what, he's, very he's a leading man type mm. he can do all that kind of stuff yeah yeah definitely okay. a leading man type and I mean he, he there's some moments with the eleventh doctor particularly where there's the story of a very old being with mm. this young body and he oh. plays that I have an old soul I have old eyes Ooh. so you can really see him I could really see him I don't know if his arc would be that big or if that's room to see him be a force sensitive person yeah. who feels. The weight and the responsibility. He would knock that out of the park. Love the speculation. Uh, I, I, this is the first time him and Monaghan being kind of cast in the same week, so to speak, in the same time frame. So, the first time I've thought, oh, I wonder if that's the Knights of Ren. Right. Oh, yeah. But right. I don't know. They might be a little, to me, if they're the students, they're a little bit older. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's weird. I, we, we don't like to go down those paths that much here, but it may be the, it made me think for the first time that they're related or it's something. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask both of you, with all of these big casting announcements, I almost get the feeling that J.J. Abrams is just packing every corner with somebody cool. And it could be that uh, Dominic Moynihan or Matt Smith are like the guy they buy some fruit from for two seconds. Right, yeah. right. Uh, kind of casting. Mm-hmm. I always tend to look at that. I think just time has is, time is taught us. And, and being a huge Game of Thrones fan, too, where it's like, Ian McShane's got one great episode, not yeah. seven. <laughs> one great scene, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. A, a collection of, uh, of only a few, really, yeah. So you're right. Um, so I'm more used to that nowadays because it is kind of this cool, like, hey, we got so-and-so and he's going to he's gonna sell you a, a piece of, of fruit yeah. <laughs> in a cantina. But... <laughs> But you never know. At the same time, you never know. They could have something up their sleeve. I do wonder about the timing of it because they've been filming since, what, August 
first. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they yeah. finished the script uh, months ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I yeah, I can't buy into the fact that they'd be a huge arcs mm-hmm. if they're just being cast now. Yeah. That is one of the interesting thing about modern filmmaking, but it also could be just filmmaking in general because we're more aware of castings. I am sometimes, and I, I am someone who's been in town in 20 years. You guys, have we've all worked in various parts of this industry. I have friends who are actors. I'm still sometimes shocked where I'm like, yeah, but the movie was, th- I started shooting three months ago and you're just getting added. Like, I, yeah. I'm very naive when it comes to that stuff. So I have that thought too of like, yeah, yeah but I don't know. I mean, I think about The Force Awakens and they did yeah. not announce Gwendolyn Christie, yeah. Lupita Nyong'o, and somebody, I think there's somebody else too. So, and we know obviously Phasma did not have much. Of right, all, right, you know, right. So yeah. that's where I go to is I'm like, oh yeah, they're just going to be, I mean, maybe Dominic Moynihan will be an, an alien somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody's got to be mo-capped at some point. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, interesting. Interesting. And I'm sure this won't be the last. I know, right. No. Nope. Exactly. That's it. That's the news. That's the news. We are not out of here. We're here. Uh, we're going to be diving into our main topic. But as always, this one's related. We'd like to do a Force Center recommend of an audio book you can get at Audible. Uh, and Joseph, we have, a well, an interesting recommendation yes, here. that's right. We have The Legends of Luke Skywalker, a collection of stories told by unreliable narrators about what Luke Skywalker has been up to, basically in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, which is kind of our main topic. And it's it's such an interesting book because, they're, they're, for me, there are sections I love, sections I'm not sure about. And overall, I think it's a fascinating thing, and I'm glad it exists. Absolutely. I, I, I truly think it is a, a read it or listen to it again for the first time type of situation. I was even poking through it this weekend and was like, oh, there's a little more things that uh, now having seen The Last Jedi have a little bit more meaning than I thought the first yeah. time. Um, so we will be diving in again. So you can as well. You can download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. It helps the show. All right. Today, this is the journey of Luke Skywalker. What is this? Well, this is we'll see how much we can get done today. <laughs> this might be long. I had a little too much fun with this one. I'll admit what we're going to be doing here today as a Force Center team is having some fun looking at Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi to Last Jedi. What may have happened? What did he do? What do we know about Luke Skywalker right now? Um, it's going to be fun, wild speculation, responsible speculation, and just diving into some of the things. So uh, I can't think of two better people to do this with. In fact, uh, you might help me with my own fog of a <laughs> lot of things. There's a lot we do know and a lot we don't know. Yeah, Ken made an impressive amount of notes. It's <laughs> really great. <laughs> Thinking to uh, uh, turn this into a, my college thesis. That's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, this is impressive. But it's uh, a lot of fun. The big question, of course, when we went into The Force Awakens, well, what happened to Luke? We heard J.J. telling uh, Mark Hamill, hey, don't you want to sign on this movie and find out what happened to Luke Skywalker? And then we find out, well, not much. He's standing <laughs> on a hillside. And J.J. put this uh, plot point out there, which I still think is brave, different, and I like it. Not seeing Han, Leia, and, and Luke on screen was something that I still think about, but we've Star Wars counseled that. I still think at the moment it's one of the best endings in a Star Wars movie. What a great story. Yeah. The, the, the wizard is on the hill, and it's going to change the tide. And then Ryan comes along. We don't even know a little bit. We know a little bit more about Ben, ben turned Kylo and Luke, but we still don't know. And we keep thinking the books. Well, really, the legend Luke Skywalker book, Joseph, is the only thing that gives us a 
more of a clear path of what he might have been doing during a certain point in time. Yeah, it really paints this picture that he was a student of the Force, that he was traveling around trying to understand the Force as best as he could. As best he could. And then we know he started He started at Hogwarts, and the things went bad. <laughs> so, all right. I've got six parts. We're going to go through this. I promise you I'm going to be here for three hours, but it's a fun thing. Let's start part one, post-Return of the Jedi, celebration and reflection. Let's go to Bright Tree Village and the party, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. We got Ewoks bouncing around. What do we think Luke might have done right after the victory? Yeah. Now, we know it's not the final victory, and that's part of the conversation, too. He's got Force Ghosts there. What do you think happened? I think that the next day, you know, there's confetti and whatnot everywhere. <laughs> you walk in the background cleaning it up. I think that he gathered the gathered the Force Ghosts, gathered Leia, Han, Lando, some Ewoks, and had a meeting. What should we do next? Where should where should we go? You know, how yeah. should we rebuild? I don't yeah. know. I think that I think that he would have been a, a leader. Yeah, and wanted to to come up with a plan. A plan That's to, my headcanon. And, and sitting there with those Force Ghosts communing. Mm -hmm. for, and, and I didn't even put in the notes the, the Shattered, Shattered Empire. Shattered Empire. Yeah, I was going to bring up Shattered Empire because oh. that, that yes. answers some of these questions. It does. Oh, in a way. There you go. Do you think, Joseph, that might have come from something? Where do you think he's he's got these Force trees in his brain right from the beginning? Yeah. yeah. I think that it, it's clear that uh, the, the story of Luke is a new hope because a Jedi is so powerful. Right. Maybe for inspiration, but also like, yeah, he can literally knock things over with his mind. Uh, yeah. So like there are some missions where he could have probably gone in and done more destructive damage mm. to just quickly take things out. And I think it's a really cool beginning of his trajectory that immediately after the Battle of Endor, he's like, I'm not going to go with Han to clear out stormtroopers. Mm. I'm going to go get these force trees. Yeah. Right. His immediate thought is, well, this battle that was my responsibility taking down the Sith yeah. is over. I'm not a warrior. I am a defender of the history of the Jedi. Immediately he goes to, I am a defender. I like that take on it. And and I've especially as we look at this as a battle battle Jakku, which he may or may not have been at, right? Yeah. That's part of the the one of the, the first stories in Legend of Luke Skywalker. He may may have been there. An Imperial officer thinks someone like him was yeah. there, but we don't know. Uh, we know there's a problem with Jedi being generals in the prequels. Like that, uh, could that, is that should they have done that? Should they have had ranks? Should they have fought in a war in that way? Yeah. Um, so I do think it's in line with that. That Luke, uh, you know, is like, I'm going to put down this rank because he is a commander or whatever his rank. They don't really talk about his rank too much in Jedi, but Empire, we know he does. Um, do you think, that, that, Jennifer, there'd be any kind of link? Or like, did Han and Leia like, all right. I guess you're going to do that. We got some fighting to do. It is kind of curious, right? I mean, we don't have the answer about why, why he decided to go get those forest trees, right? What, what is it? Well, was, that's where I'm wondering, did he commune with Yoda, Anakin, Obi-Wan? Yeah, or did he just start to get records uh, immediately mm -hmm. from R2, who's been all up in the Imperial Network? You know, yeah. is, is it that, they, does, mm -hmm. is he starting an Excel spreadsheet of stolen Jedi stuff? Like, is it that practical? Who knows? I can't remember what uh, book it in. Is it in? It, it might be in Last Shot. There's some passages about Han saying, like, Luke was talking to me about the Force stuff. And yeah. Like, mm. I, Jennifer, I'm with you about communication. I feel like somewhere in there, it, you know, whether this ever fleshes out, I like the headcanon that Luke was immediately to everybody, not just probably a private conversation with Leia, but certainly with the whole gang of like, look, here's what was actually supporting the Empire. They were Sith. That's mm. what this means. Here's how Vader uh, was defeated by mm. the return of the Jedi Anakin Skywalker and ended 
the Sith. And I think for Leia, it's got this emotional uh, yeah. component. And I think for Han and Lando, we're like, cool. <laughs> we understand only part of what you're talking about, but I'm going to turn around to Wedge, and mm. Wedge is going to tell someone else, and the myth is born. The, yeah. Because Ray knows the story. Mm, yeah. Right. So we know that that myth has to be born from somewhere. And I like the idea that Luke would be like, clear communication. It's important that everybody knows the truth. And then over the years, it becomes a myth. Mm. I love that angle because, again, we talk about a lot about when you grow up, you thought you thought Leia ran the rebellion after New Hope. It was just presented as a yeah. kid. You're like thinking she's the boss and this and that. And everyone knew Darth Vader was his father. And then Bloodline reveals, oh, no, it didn't. No, no one knew then. It would make sense that even the fall of the Jedi and Palpatine becoming, you know, Sidious and be, that's still like Masa Meda knew. Yeah. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. So that Luke would be like, hey, by the way, here's the real reason for the last 20 years. Yeah. It would make sense that he's like, I also, I have to then fight that from another angle. Right. Yeah. Research. There you go. Discovery, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just even giving mm. Leia more institutional knowledge. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And what she of, had it from Bale, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, yeah, hey, y'all, you're Force-sensitive, by the way, too, but i yeah, got to go find more about it. And that's one of the things I, th- I love about what is, is is Luke Skywalker now, and I don't know if it, how much it contradicts old Legends stuff and EU stuff, but at the end of Jedi, it, he's not complete. He's a Jedi like his father before him, but now he's got to go take some tests. <laughs> you know, like, And he doesn't have, he has these Force ghosts. So I love this idea that he still wants to find out who he is. Right. Yeah, I think he's the last of the Jedi and the first of the Jedi at the same time. And yeah. his question is, how do I handle that? Right. right. He goes out on a mission. One of the first things, other than the Force trees, which it's, do you think there's any, any significance, do you want there to be significance, that might be the better question, of that Force tree being given to Shara Bay and being, hey, take it back to Yavin? No, no, I, 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 that came across too strong. I guess the I don't I don't no. need Poe Dameron to have uh, right. have fifteen percent force power because he grew up in some force <laughs> sap fell on him. Like oh I don't gosh. need that. I would I'd love it if there's some great stories about force sap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I would love it if there's some stories about like yeah, yeah Yavin's a spiritual place too. I just don't need it to try, tie directly to fair enough. Yeah, the Dameron's. Totally, yeah, mm-hmm. totally, totally. And I like that, that Poe is mentioned a little bit. I think it's in the comic. He talks about, yeah, I know a little bit. I I grew up, there was a special tree, and like that's it. He's like, he didn't, yeah, same thing. I didn't eat an acorn, yeah. and now I'm, yeah, you know, <laughs> right, force, right. force sap indeed. Um, one of the first things he does do, it's mentioned in the Battle of Jakku story in Legend of Luke Skywalker, uh, but we definitely know from Battlefront 2, it's one of the best things about that story mode, this compass on Pilio. I believe... I, I I contend that that is where his journey kind of began, this this next phase of his career, so to speak. He finds this compass, and it's in the archives, uh, that Palpatine's collection. Yeah. His baseball card collection had some special <laughs> things in it. I love the idea that R2 is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been plugged in for a while. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> I downloaded this. Uh, I think the journey does start there uh, to the next phase. Any thoughts just on that compass? It's one of the best parts of that game. Absolutely. That, uh, Yeah, you, I think everybody should play that or just watch a video of the cutscenes uh, mm-hmm. because the compass itself is really cool and it does open up all these ideas of, does it? Is that what allowed him to find Octo or mm-hmm. is it you know, like the uh, the compass in Pirates of the Caribbean of like it's force sensitive and it takes you where you where your heart wants to go or yeah. like so many cool <laughs> ideas of what technically it could do. Yeah. Um, but then that this is our first uh, we get to really see Luke functioning as a Jedi in this hmm. uh, post uh, Endor world where you you play him just slaughtering 
uh, stormtroopers and officers yeah. who are firing at you. And then when you encounter the character Del Mico, yeah. uh, Luke saves him. Mm. And Del Mico is sort of like, well, why? You slaughtered all those other guys. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. And I, Luke's like, they didn't give me a choice. Right. And just immediately he's like, I don't want to kill people. That's not what a right. Jedi is about. It's not about being a warrior. I'm here for information. And if you don't shoot at me, I have no desire to harm you. Yeah. And then uh, these are spoilers if you haven't played Battlefront 2. So right. close your ears for 30 seconds. Um <laughs> That sets Del Mico on a path of redemption himself. Yeah. So you see this great, like, hey, I'm going to go and be positive and put kindness and empathy into the world. And what do you know? I, I will grow more empathy yeah. in other humans. Mm. I, I, will, I will gain some allies in the process. Yeah, there's yeah. that great moment where he's like, why did you help me? And Luke's like, well, you asked me. You asked me. You asked yeah. me. Mm. Uh, and I do love it. And I think it's it's pretty valuable for that video game. You know, Battlefront 2, I think there's a lot of cool things I love in that story mode. Aiden Versio is just a great character, all this kind of stuff. But yeah, that is there's some really good depth there. And when the compass shows up again in, in Last Jedi, you yeah. kind of get that little Easter egg for yourself. Right. You know, I, I, I'm not disappointed, but I wouldn't have minded if uh, Luke uh, at one point just picks up the compass and says, uh, you know, says something to Ray. Like, oh, you, you ever <laughs> met my friend Del? No, <laughs> He's your dad, right? Oh, my gosh. So part one comes to a close. This is the immediate time. Do you think there is a, a, a time period on this battle? Jacuzzi, what, about 18 months after? Yeah. Uh, do you put this about two years? He's kind of figure all this stuff out. Yeah, I see him as just excited to discover mm-hmm. that, like, in his mind, you know, Yoda left him with the uh, the order to pass yeah. on what he has learned. He's right. mentioned to Leia that she should learn some stuff. And I think right now he's just like, I'm gonna go rebuild the Jedi just starting with all the knowledge, how much has been lost. Yeah. I'm just, and I think he's excited to discover. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, he, yeah, he's hopeful at the beginning there. Jen, any final thoughts on phase one, part one? Yeah, I think that exactly. He's very hopeful. Yeah. He still is that, that kind of in a way that, that farm boy kid, very different from what we find him in the last Jedi, which mm-hmm. is why I love where he is in the last Jedi is because we're now yeah. going to be filling in though that timeline of how, how he got to that point. Yeah. We don't have a lot though. Not a lot. So I'm and looking I, at your notes. Yeah, and I think at the end of phase one, part one here, I think he's got a little bit of what I call that Frodo scarring, which he's just been through some mm. pretty tough stuff. They've got the victory. He's relieved, but his father's dead. He's redeemed. He's happy. That smile at the end of Jedi. But I think he's got a little bit of like, whew, that was a journey. Yeah. yeah I went through some stuff. I was three years ago as a farm farm boy. Yeah. Right. Just three years ago. I was a freshman in high school. Now I'm a, now I'm a junior. And now <laughs> I have this huge responsibility. Yeah. It's all on his shoulders, which leads to part two, which I call research and discovery. This is where we believe he might have gone out searching for uh, relics, uh, possibly with Lor Santeca. We'll talk about that. And this is where the Legend of Luke Skywalker book really, if you dig into it, starts putting stuff out there. Now, the timeline of some of the stories, we don't know. I, 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 I'm putting this maybe in the, the next 10 years. Yeah. You think? Because what do we get? Return the Jedi to Last Jedi in story is 34 years? 34 30 years. or 30 years 34 I think it was 34 It's tough to remember Wait, It's around from Jetty th- Yeah to- because yeah, I think around 34 Kylo's supposed right. to be 30 No he's born 18 months He's born he's right around the battle of Battle Jakku so which is which is under yeah. two Anyways, we're going to say... Time's a little floaty in Time's a little floaty out there. Don't worry about it. Uh, Go along for the ride with us. (laughs) About 30-plus years is what we're saying. So so this is maybe the 10-year part uh, to me. Like, this is a long journey for Luke. Yeah, I think, yeah. And you've got some great notes about what what he... I think it's in Legends of Luke Skywalker, it is deliberately 
we're unsure of the exact timeline. Right. Which makes, uh, you know, makes, uh, makes it fun to kind of fill these blanks. So some of the things he might, he, he did is, is learning to fish, which we know from last Jedi, he has that pole, learn to fish in the well and the lesson, of the ebb and flow of the tide, which is also the force. Mm-hmm. And this is where he goes. He takes the trials of these, uh, uh, this, this, um, planet outside an unknown regions out of rim, very far undocumented type yeah. of planet. Like it's off the map. He finds it and they're flying on these big birds. And this is the one that takes him a year, right? Yes. This is the one where he's like, I'm so out of commission for anything that the new Republic is doing. Mm. I will take a year to learn one lesson mm-hmm. about fishing. That's an excellent huh. point. Huh. Why? While Mon Mothman Leia and everyone's rebuilding the Republic into yeah. this new image, and Han's, you know, having a child, and Lando is falling in love with the Twilight. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Luke goes and takes his time. Jennifer, he goes yeah. on a mission. He goes on a spiritual mission. It, that's exactly what I'm thinking. He is like a, like a monk. He is wanting to learn the the religion mm-hmm. of the Jedi and wanting to to be the best Jedi that he can be. Yeah, and he learns one of the big lessons he learns here is that the, the, the Tide users, uh, the, they call him the Seeker, they call Luke the Seeker, they teach him this lesson that, that, that the Force, what they call the Tide, it, it doesn't have opposing sides of the dark and the light. And that, to me, ties a lot into Last Jedi with what Luke believes. Yeah. Uh, the hubris of trying to control this Force and claim it for your own. Yeah, and they, it's really getting him in touch with the nature by, like you wrote down, like the ebb and the flow, and it is right. a planet where they, they deal with the water all the time and the changes of that, mm-hmm. those natural changes of creation and destruction. Yeah, so, so Luke's l- lessons probably take him, I, I think, down a path he, not, not surprised, but again, you think you signed up for the, quote, good guys, you are, you know, versus a Sith, but this idea that, nah, you claim something that might not be yours either to claim. Yeah. Just yeah. like the other guys with the red sabers. Yeah, and I don't think he's getting that negative yet. I think he's yeah. getting that sort of that broader perspective of like, okay, well, you do need to understand that, you know, there are destructive powers and that's not necessarily bad. That's natural. Mm-hmm. But maybe you shouldn't manipulate them. Um, this whole uh, time period, to me, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely want him to have more adventures and I want to hear more stories in this yeah. time period. And I think even there are some like you wrote down of like when he saves R2, yeah. where he really does have to be like, well, I'm, I'm going to come in and I do actually do have to do some fighting. I need to swing my lightsaber because I have no choice. I need to save my friend. Right. So we know that in this era, he's still willing he's to go out and have like active swashbuckling lightsaber Jedi adventures. And I, that story, again, it's an un- unreliable narrator, so we don't know how much it's true. But it, it's it's interesting because he disguises himself as a protocol droid. And it reads to me that just as a... <laughs> Yeah, as uh, oh a silver yeah. protocol droid. It reads oh to me gosh. a lot like, for good and bad, Legends. I think you uh, like the story a little bit more than me, Joseph, I think. I think I if did, I remember yeah, in a because review. Because it was a, a situation where he was pushed to, like, I will still act in the Jedi right. way. I will still, still take action. His hand falls in acid and it burns away his synth skin. Right. And that, to me, was really interesting. It's like, oh, did he lose the actual flesh from his hand that long ago? And he's willing to just look at... Uh, I have a metaphor for a hand, <laughs> and I'm willing to look at it naked all the time. That's right. I did forget that little detail. That is one of the... Yeah, the, the, I think a lot of that ties to Last Jedi. Uh, you know, these little wow. answers. That, um, so he does have these crazy adventures. And one of them, though, I think during this time, though, is where... This is what I researchers discovery. He's off with Lor Santeca. We know that Lor Santeca helped him at some point. He's an old friend of the family. Yeah. And the visual dictionary, I think, is the first thing we learned that he went off, uh, or the data, maybe it's data bank, where he went off and, and helped Luke yeah. find some things there. What, what do you think, Jen, oh. that they did? What do you think good old Lor Santeca? He's a, he's a scavenger. 
He's not a force user. He's a force believer. Right. Do you think he just traveled the galaxy long <laughs> enough to know, like, hey, Luke, I can help you find some stuff? I don't know. I just imagine them with their little satchels gathering some herbs <laughs> and taking it back and mixing some potions. Uh, well, Luke, this what is, is force sap. I don't know. <laughs> we'll begin to make things right. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. This is yeah. so fascinating to me. I am learning so much because I did not read uh, mm. the legend Legends yeah. of Luke Skywalker. I haven't really played Battlefront 2 up to the, these sections. Right. So it is interesting that there is actually a lot more than I knew. This, but, this but like period has pieces. a lot more. Yeah, this but period has a lot more puzzle pieces. Yeah, but it's and it's all open for interpretation, right. you know, which is yes. really, really uh, cool to me. I right. like that Lor Santeca has seems real opinionated. I mean, it's called the Church of the Force. Yeah. Mm. And he seems real opinionated at the beginning of Force Awakens. I'm paraphrasing mm. here saying, you know, without the Jedi, there can be no balance. So he clearly disagrees with Luke of right. Jedi must be active. They must be using the Force. Otherwise, there is no balance to the Force. Right. So I wonder if it's almost like, I can imagine a story where Lore almost puts some anxieties in Luke's head because he's so opinionated yeah. about what Jedi should be. Almost like um, mm. the like if you were in charge of a a, a, a group mm. and you had a zealous fan who was like, "This is what your group should be. You are the leader. You are the savior. You should do X, Y, and Z." Yeah. And I can see it kind of maybe giving Luke some anxiety of like piling up this list yeah. of like, "Here's what I should do. Here's what I shouldn't do." Yeah, it's like he runs a Facebook group for the Force <laughs> or something like that. Um, <laughs> I, Lord definitely wants to be a, yeah. have administration <laughs> privileges. Admin power. Admin power, yeah. Mm. You know, on, on Star Wars Counseling, I know you've talked about the, the, quote, map to Skywalker, which is not necessarily a map to Skywalker. It's a map to Octo, uh, map the to first Octo. Jedi Temple, yeah. Um, but do you think Lore, do you think it was kind of like their Indiana Jones Holy Grail thing? Like Luke's like, I want to go to, to the beginning. And Laura's like, I think I can help you. Yeah. You know? Do you I th- love that story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think th- that's exactly right. That's yeah. it, that, that it's it's let, Let's get it. all these books from all these places and let's put them back in the tree. And then like Legends of Zelda, like, did something unlock in the, yeah. the final book that tells you yeah. the real truth comes up? You know? Like, yeah. This is why I think I love, I, we always talk about an animated series with Hamill voicing it, uh, Joseph. Yes. But I, I think even now, maybe a book. A book Give would me be Luke great. and Lore. Yeah, Luke and Lore. The, Not Lu- Luke the and Adventures Laura. of Luke and Lore. <laughs> I would be happy with an animated movie because that maybe that's yeah. more honest to Hamill's uh, time commitment levels. Yeah. that'd be good there. So mm. one of the more fascinating stories in the Legends of Luke Skywalker. It's the last one. It actually is uh, a pretty. I, I think it's pretty uh, an emotional story too. When you go, especially I re- reread it last night and following the Last Jedi, it has, has a lot more weight to it. And this is the one, and this is the one where I also think the time frame might not necessarily be here. It might be pushing the boundaries of this research and discovery phase. Uh, Luke is hitchh- is going around the galaxy in an A wing, a two wing A, uh, two seater A wing, and uh, he picks up a hitchhiking biology student uh, who, and they get stuck on an exogorth, uh, of course, the space lug, and they they're in there for quite some time. They're stuck in there. Yeah. Uh, there's like an ecosystem. There's a lake. There's a gift shop. There's a whole lot of things. <laughs> yeah, there is a cantina that has alcohol. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he uses he uses the force to survive, to survive, right? and to keep her yeah. alive and safe. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, he, she's studying the Jedi, but from a different perspective. Different right? perspective, and he keeps asking about the Jedi ruins in her because she's traveled a lot to these unknown little worlds, and he wants to know about Jedi ruins, which to me shows he's already been searching. Yeah. Searching here. And then uh, says he's trying to learn as much as I can about the Jedi, which is kind of the 
part of what we're here, Jennifer, right? right. He, I'm on a mission. I'm studying. I'm just this crazy old hermit already, driving <laughs> around the galaxy. Right. Uh, but he learns the lessons of self-sacrifice from three creatures. Uh, uh, they are master mist weavers of the luminous mist. The Force, Joseph, has different names. Yep. The, it's got names that all sound like great sodas. Tide and mist. <laughs> uh, like it's the, the Shasta mist. is another way you can describe the force. <laughs> I am a user of the Shasta. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but he, as you have noted here, yeah. this comes down to sacrifice, right? It, it does. It's Shireen, Alquik, and Wiki. I don't know. That's how you say their names. Not really. But that's how they're, that's their characters. And they... They sacrifice themselves round roundabout way. Sacrifice themselves so that Luke and this uh, student can get out of the exogorth and all this kind of stuff. But Luke learns this lesson because he sees the look on one of their faces, and he says, "This is the, the look my master gave me moments before he died." Talking mm. about Ben Kenobi, yeah. And he also talks about Ben, old Ben Kenobi, gave himself up to the Force so that Vader's blade struck an empty robe. He put that is said there, yeah. Do you think that might have been in his brain already there? That this was this was foreshadowing what was to come, we know. It's do you think do you think it's kind of the same thing with I, Kenobi? Yeah, I think he, I think both Kenobi and Luke find themselves in a place of being torn between responsibility and the selflessness of a Jedi. I feel like a a true Jedi in the uh, old republic when there're thousands of like I'm selfless. So of course I would sacrifice myself mm-hmm. at any time. But Kenobi, Yoda and Luke all find themselves in this different place of like I, I know that's the right thing to do as a Jedi, but I also have this responsibility, mm. so I have to pick when to make this sacrifice. Yeah. Because I, like, I think they would sacrifice themselves to save a Tuka cat, like, because that's yeah. the... I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that's sure. just that's the right thing to do, which is fine if there are other Jedi to carry on. Mm. But I think they all have this burden of, but this is all on my shoulders right now. And, and, and the Star Wars poetry, Jennifer, mm-hmm. to what we do see in Last Jedi, on a bigger level... Luke sacrificing himself for the fir- uh, for the not the first order, <laughs> the resistance, and Ray obviously echoes Obi Wan. Yeah. So it's a valuable lesson. It is a valuable lesson, and what I what I like what I'm seeing here is that he's he's like clinging to the past. He's trying. He's be obsessed with finding out the Jedi way, the what what they can teach him. And then I think he must go through a point where he feels like obviously he failed Ben, and how that would be so devastating because he knows so much about the Jedi mm. and he would feel like, oh my gosh, like I, I cannot live up to what they were. I need to go far away and be reclusive. But then it's like he comes full circle to where he remembers his old lessons, remembers kind of instinctively what he saw with Obi-Wan Kenobi and chooses the path of self-sacrifice. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting. It's like clinging to something and then realizing, oh, I just got to kind of let all that go. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This whole section to me is fascinating because I think that there is an element where he is obsessing on what he thinks his mistakes were mm. in the original trilogy. Right. Mm. Of like running off, being too focused on adventure, taking too many risks, not being slow and responsible and focusing on mastery. Yeah. And I think that's what's so cool is like, he's clearly becoming an absolute master of the force, like incredibly nice. powerful, but also this section I could almost see is getting to a point of uh, irresponsibility in that he's putting off mm. making decisions. It right. almost reminds me of, you can get to that point if you you do an activity like, say, acting, where like you can take all of the classes you want, yep. right. but at some point you step on those boards or you step in front of a camera, and that is when you do the thing. And those lessons will either come with you or they won't. But the thing is doing it, not studying it. And this yeah. almost feels like Luke's yes. like, 
Yes. I'm just going to take one more master acting <laughs> class to make sure that I am the best actor and don't make any mistakes. I yeah. mean, I'm totally an actor and I'm, I'm going to do it, but just maybe one or two more classes. Love that. That's so true. It's, it's the, the professional fear. student. Yes. And it's the fear of failure. Yes. That's what it all comes down to is that you're afraid that after studying for years that you're finally going to get your moment and you're going to suck. Yeah. You're going to mess it up. And what does he do? He essentially, in his mind, he messes it up. Yeah, and I think that's the fascinating mm-hmm. question is, does he? Right, exactly. You know? right. Does he? No, the greatest teacher, failure, failure is. Failure is. I love that he takes his time. I love that he goes to uh, get his master's degree, his other master's degree, <laughs> yeah. gets his degrees. And a PhD in the mix. And I don't, because I know there's a lot of people listening who love Legends in EU, and I sometimes can be a little snarky towards it. And I do apologize for that, because there's some great Star Wars in there, and it entertained a lot of people for a long time. But this is where I think one of the best changes comes from the Jedi Academy trilogy by Kevin J. Anderson is not too long after the events of Air of the Empire five years after and Luke's like cool ready let's start a school uh I understand that back then in the 90s that's what we would have thought Luke won he's a Jedi like his father he's gonna pass on what he's learned because that's what Yoda told him I love this version that Luke takes his time mm-hmm. and yeah maybe gets stuck in a little cycle of self-doubt or you know pre-failure jitters um but I love that now then at one point he says, all right, I think I'm ready to teach the next generation. Now, you know, Jen, as a parent, you you might think you're ready, but you're not really ready. Nope, you're never ready. But at some point, it happens. You gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta do it. it. Yep. So that leads us to what I think is part three, which is Jedi University. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, this is where Luke, uh, after learning, and the galaxy seems to be relatively in a state of peace from what we know. Yeah. Right? We yeah. haven't got anything there. There's still plenty of room to have there be some other invasion. Right. You know, some other conflict. Right. Some grisks can show some up. Grisks, grisks yep. uh, can show up. A small civil war to break out in, right. in between a couple of systems. Yep. Um, definitely some politics are brewing, but Luke finds, uh, hey, this is the time. We don't know the planet yet. We don't know where he goes, right? As far as I know. I'm trying uh, to remember. We do not next. know the planet of the... It, the Jedi, his Jedi temple. It's a lot of grass on it, a lot of hills. It looks, yeah. uh, and if, if it nice. is out there, I don't know why we don't know. Yeah. 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 We'll learn that. We'll learn that, I think. Uh, he recruits students, but my first question is based on what he's learned, based on what he has uh, felt and experienced, what kind of students do you think he recruited? Do you think he just took a, any four set of sensitive students? Did he go about it the same way as the Jedi did? Cool. Is that your two-year-old? I'm going to take him. Yeah, never mind. Uh, I'm a, I'm a you know, Russian gymnastics coach. You'll never see your kid again until the Olympics. <laughs> How do you think he approached recruiting and teaching these students? Yeah, that's such a fascinating story. And I think it's almost... Uh, I, I like the headcanon idea that he studied this whole, oh, you got to get him young. He's like, well... I wasn't young. Right. You know, uh, Anakin, sure, there were some problems, but he wasn't young. Um, I wonder if it is a matter of he has already encountered people. Yeah. On his journeys. Or, like, I also like that there's a church of the force. There are just Mm -hmm. average citizens like uh, like Poe's parents who are like, we want a force tree because we believe in the force. We know it's natural and powerful, and we believe in the Jedi. And if there is somebody who's Mm -hmm. like a a Sherebae type who's Mm -hmm. just like, I'm in totally just, I just live on Ryloth and I've just noticed that my teen has been moving some things with their mind. Uh, Master Skywalker, will yeah. you? What's going on? Yeah. yeah. So I almost feel like it's not, it could be a story of like he's meditating and searching out, mm. you know, s- souls crying out in the force. Yeah. Or it could be that he's, there's already people that he knows are force sensitive. He took some notes or he put up a billboard and said, you know, take one. Take yeah. F- force sensitive kid? Yeah. Pull a tab and call I me. I think it's, it's all about Ben. Yeah. And he's like, well, mm. if I'm going to train Ben anyway, uh, I'm going to rebuild the order. 
that as well. is great. Uh, I want to go to that part there with the Ben Solo aspect. He knows he's got this nephew. He's got to imagine, yeah, the the the, the grandson of Anakin and the daughter of Leia is going to be pretty powerful in the Force. Probably also have some smuggler like attitude. <laughs> he's an uncle. Jen, do you think what Joseph just kind of said? I like that idea that he's like, I I got to train this kid. I might as well have some friends along with them, or I mean, mm. I did a little more than that, but mm. how do you think, did he, did he wanted to train Ben? Was this part of his mission? No, I, I think that, it, I think it's almost like the gym, like when you take classes at the gym, like it's kind of for everyone, everyone who wants to be there, right? Like right. they're not, not necessarily mm. experts at yoga, or, but when you go pay X amount of dollars to go to a yoga studio, they're hardcore. Mm. That's not what he was about. I think he was like, welcome, join us. And so when he got Ben, I think he was excited to train him, but I think maybe he got overwhelmed. Uh Maybe he was not used to that level of talent. He had been teaching some kids that were talented, maybe some that just were happy to be there. But I think that like (laughs) with Ben, it was like, oh, how am I going to harness this? How am I going to channel this energy? Yeah, because there's only like what he has like twelve students or so. It's the, twelve students. Yeah. yeah, and I think I can't remember the line from Last Jedi, but it sounds a little definitive. Like mm-hmm. I took twelve students. Yeah, so it it does seem to me like maybe he's a little bit more flowing and open, but maybe there was a kid of like, no, not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And then and we know he sensed some great power in Ben, and he should have been afraid then, and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, there's that mm-hmm. passage in the Last Jedi about uh, the kind of the implication that Snoke was sending out dark energy that yeah. motivated Luke to right. realize I need to counter this. Yep, yep. And, right. and is and that that's what's going on? I remember uh, that passage. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think I have, that's the general spirit of it. General spirit indeed. Uh no pun intended on the spirit there. Uh, <laughs> and so we know Snoke's been watching for a while. Why right? right. we know he's had his eye on this young It certainly Skywalker. implies that Snoke wanted uh, ben Solo trained because he right. felt that that would be where he'd be most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, do you think Ben had a choice, uh, Joseph or Jennifer? Do you think Do you think Luke and Le- uh, Subihana Leia were just like, you're going to military school? That's what I was just about to say. Is it like military school for him? I think so. Okay, then then Luke is the wrong teacher, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like to to manage that type of of a quote unquote problem child is mm-hmm. gonna take a special set of skills that I don't think that Luke innately mm-hmm. has that. And I'm not quite sure if at that point he was still kind of naive. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like Leia says in The Force Awakens, I shouldn't have sent him away. That's when I lost him. That's when yes, I lost you. Right, yeah. So, right. and I think there's some more stuff. There's a lot of that in Bloodline in about Bloodline. her being unsure about, you know, yeah. wanting to have been able to sit down and tell him about Vader. Vader. Mm. And knowing that he just has to hear it alone. Right. I think there's this, there's such power in, he sees. All of the people who should just like be there and love him, like Leia and Han and Luke, see him as a responsibility. Mm. Hmm. I think maybe kind of handle him a little bit like dynamite, which might be why part of the reason that he ha- he feels so angry toward them. Not only like living up to their legend, but y- you you always handled me like I was so dangerous. Mm. Oh. Why not be dangerous? And mm. I feel like I wonder if maybe that you I can imagine a great great scenes where Kylo is jealous of Luke's close relationship to. The student that he thinks really sees things the right way, mm. sees mm. sees yeah. the force f- from all sides, but knows to only use the light. And like Luke's like, hey, thumbs up with my metal thumb. <laughs> and with Kylo, he's always like, Ky- Ben, don't, don't, he's, don't do this, yes. don't do that, do do this, do th- don't do that. Mm. And like that sense of like, you don't love me, I'm a burden. Assuming the worst. I am, of yeah. him. you know, I yeah. am your test to see if you 
uh, truly they are a Jedi master. Mm-hmm. I love that. We could probably do an entire episode on 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 Kylo, and probably should here. And just, just leading to this idea of is he redeemable? And I, I kind of now fall. I don't think he is because of what he's done. But Vader's done some horrible things too. Blah yeah. blah blah. Different conversation. But what you just said there that maybe Ben Solo felt like a burden and responsibility, uh, a freak. Yeah. yeah, he was set aside as you're so powerful, and then you also have you know Snoke coming along in his gold robe, robe telling him things. It, 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 yeah, like, it's awesome that you're powerful. Yeah, you should oh, be. Powerful. You should you be. Should tap yeah. into that. Yeah, absolutely. Don't listen to them. They don't like you, anyways. Yeah. They're, they're afraid of you. And then your father is you know running around with his his Wookiee co-pilot, of, uh, you know, not sure what to do with you. You know, and you felt unlo- there's a lot of real world things going around Ben's brain that you look at and you go, I you know I understand this fall. Maybe even better and. More articulated than than Anakin's fall, mm-hmm. yeah. Though I think there's some great stuff there with George, Absolutely. but but you know what I mean. Um, final, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Fear, no, no. fear is tied up in both of them in lots yes. of different perspectives, and I think that's one of the most interesting things yeah. for a future longer conversation. Absolutely, about Kylo. we'll break that up. Final one in this section for me is just the nuts and bolts of what do you think Luke was teaching these students in general? What kind of Jedi order was he building? I think it ties into what kind of Jedi order would Ray build if she eventually does start training her own mm. school or own students there? Do you, what what did what his journey taught him? Some things was it at this point radically different than what he had learned before because he didn't go to formal school he didn't go to yoda's map reading class yeah but i think he probably put together like the syllabus of Mm. you know old republic jedi training pretty Uh, damn well yeah uh, at this point and i i want to imagine that he rejected a lot of it Mm -hmm. like i think he probably uh taught super basic level stuff which uh i i'd say this jokingly but i think it's kind of true i like the jedi process of verbal warning verbal warning cut off your hand right cut off your head like that because that's like this is as close as we can get to uh using our power for defense because right. i'm asking you again and again please don't fight please don't fight but then i have to stand up and be a guardian yeah and i think that's one of the things that luke really has issues with yeah. but I, I imagine that he taught that yeah and then i think he taught probably just a much more open version that's mm-hmm. much more like i'm not going to teach you the lightsaber fighting you know, yeah. all different forms of lightsaber fighting. <laughs> Form seven. I'm going to teach you the philosophy of the force. Yeah. And you're going to allow that to inform, you know, I'm sure he had some lightsaber combat, but I think it was much more about open yourself to the force. Yeah. And then it's different because we know now in this new established canon that even goes back to the Clone Wars series where, you know, you got to go to Ilum, Jen. You got to go gather your kyber crystal. And that might not be the case now. He just might not have the resources to do that. Yeah. It might be a different thing. Like, all right, I'm going to give you your... <laughs> Here thing. So then it becomes I want I'm so curious. It it seems silly, but I want to know how formal was this this academy here. Yeah. Hmm. You know? Yeah. You show up, here's a uniform, here's a kyber crystal. Right. We'll go to lightsaber building class tomorrow morning. No. The sorting hat will put you in no a different one. Yeah. Um <laughs> I'm fascinated by that because I want to know how much he believed in that. I think a lot of it was probably just like mental mental training like mm-hmm. you know clearing your mind clearing your mind of self-doubt meditating things that he found that he needed to work on yeah you know so i think that that's really where the training was like, i think that's really insightful that he's just like i'm gonna give you guys my dagaba experience right because that's what mm-hmm. i know mm-hmm. and in theory they're it seems like they're older mm-hmm. could could not be i it could be assuming wrong right um that I mean, that's a, a weird question too. Of like, is this an old like one room schoolhouse of like we got a three year old, we got a forty eight year old, 
Kylo's little, 28. Little yeah. House on the Prairie yeah, Jedi like Little House on the Prairie. Like, that would be incredibly different. I, you got to wonder, and that, that this is why we're having this conversation. But yeah, I got to wonder. You know, I don't think it's a bunch of three-year-olds. I think you're right. I think it could yeah. be mixed bag. Yeah. But uh, Jen, I think that's so insightful that, that he would take his own, like, I rushed off. I was I, I used it as a weapon. Mm-hmm. I saw Jedi as warriors. I'm going to teach you what Yoda taught me. Mm-hmm. Concentration. Be in the moment. Right. Which could tie into when he fails again, while he's like, damn it, I failed again. Yeah. Yes. That's a problem. Part four is politics and the rise of the First Order. Not a lot here with Luke, but we know through the book Bloodline, things started to change just with the centrists and the populists. And Leia's got a different kind of battle on her hands. But Luke was was off teaching at this point and not off hiding. Do you think Luke was aware of the politics? Um, and then especially, you know, her, her, her lineage is revealed. Well, that's his as well. That kind of caused some problems. How, how tied into that, into that do you think he was or do you want him to be? Yeah, I think that's where in the story he gets unwillingly pulled back in mm. because I think he's been able, like he says in The Last Jedi, like, and for a long time there was balance. So I think they're, right. I, I want there to have been some other conflicts and some other adventures uh, in, in this time period. Mm. But I think in the big picture, there was balance. He got to be off having his Jedi school, trying to do it the right way in trying to build a new Jedi order, maybe take this responsibility off of just his shoulders. Mm -hmm. But then he senses Snoke. There's political trouble. And suddenly his little Jedi order where he is teaching people to commune with the force and maybe go settle, you know, farm disputes on a lean that suddenly it becomes, Oh no, am I training warriors? If there's a war, I'm suddenly training warriors. People are going to expect them to fight. Right. And did that throw him off balance? Is that a part of Ben's fall where like suddenly I might be training Jedi who will be who the somebody will try to use as soldiers? Because I have to imagine Leia is going to send him a text message. Hey, there seems to be a Imperial like military for me. Yeah. (laughs) Any thoughts on this? We should do something about that. Yeah. And and I he's he's not, quote, running away at this point. Mm -hmm. But I like what you're saying. He's like, oh, gosh, uh, well, we might have to fight. I also don't think we should have been generals in the prequels, or at least maybe that seems to be his philosophy, right. and he knows how that failed. Yeah. We see, we hear in Last Jedi what he thinks about that phrase. Um, then he's got to be working if he's sensing Snoke in another battle. There's a lot of things going on. Uh, Jen, where do you want Luke involved at this point? Do you, do you think he did an all right job from what we know? We don't know a lot right. here. Yeah, it is. A, it is curious because it it does seem like he does does not want to be involved. Like he wants to know, but again, I feel like he's thinking, "Oh, I'm not prepared for this. I'm not prepared to to send people off and his students to to potentially die in mm. combat in some sense." And so I think that I think that this is might be the beginning of where he's like, "Where where mm-hmm. is my place? What what do I want to be? What is my role as a Jedi? What?" and the Jedi that I'm training. Mm. And then I think maybe at that point he was becoming so overwhelmed with Kylo Ren yeah. that he just couldn't even think about it. And yeah. He if he's sensing this rise of darkness in this, in this yeah. apprentice, he's like, that's the threat. It, and not that it's Ben in a way is his apprentice. He's got 11 others, but might be that, that could Absolutely. be the f- favored status here. And then, um, yeah, the, the Snoke's Snoke's rising, what's going on. And it's like, does he want to just say, Leia, this is your, this is your arena. Han, stop racing, figure it out. Yeah. And did the contention start there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it is a matter of, like, can you handle this at all? Because mm-hmm. we're protectors, not generals. Yeah. yeah. 
think of the great Qui-Gon Jinn. I never met him, but he said this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now he's appeared to me in ghost form. And then we know during this time period, around this time again, the years, this is roughly six years before Force Awakens. When this happens, this is a little varied um, uh, in the timeline. But we know uh, some things happen. Vader is revealed to be Leia's father, which means he's also Luke, which also means, hey, Ben, you have uh, you have a bit of a grandfather who's uh, eh, he's known in the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> we do get the sense that that affected Ben. I don't know if that's the final straw. We would I would think the final straw is what Luke tried to do. Uh, what, if we believe that story in, in Last Jedi uh, from Ben's perspective and the truth that we believe we saw. But this affected him a lot, too, because yeah. now probably Snoke's like, yeah, I told you you were great. Like that Darth Vader guy. Yeah. Who's Anakin? I don't, don't worry about Anakin. Yeah. You're Darth Vader's grandson. Yeah. And if Kylo is, or Ben at this point, is feeling like my parents shoved me away, um, my master and uncle handles me with kid gloves because they think I'm so dangerous. Oh, it's because my grandfather is Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader, and they lied to me. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I heard about it over the holonet. Right. And uh, so, yeah, of course they're frightening me. They never love me. They just see me as a potential monster. Right. I'll show them. I am a monster. I am a monster. Mm. And then it happens. And then it happens. Part five, the final failure, the fall of Ben Solo. Uh, We know, at least the moment, from what we believe, there's a sense that it's uh, two unreliable narrators at that point. We kind of sense, I think we get the truth. For my head, Ken, I believe the final version of the shows is true, and I think Kylo believes his perspective up to a point. Right, up to a point there. We know that moment, uh, again, we're saying roughly six years before. You know, you, you could probably debate the timeline before we know. I want to know in the immediate moment, uh, we know he senses he failed. We know uh, he awakens to find dead students, a burning uh, academy, and it's just him and R2, and he's he's broken. That's a great moment. It's one of Hamill's finest moments, especially if you watch that documentary. He is devastated, Jen. He's he's failed big time here. Mm-hmm. What do you think is his immediate reaction? Do you think it's then? I'm packing my bags and I'm going. Or do you think Gosh. I might have to go do something about this? Do you think he tried? I think he, I think he did try because he feels responsible but i because i don't think that him just fleeing all of a sudden that that to me doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. but then it's like i don't know i don't know yeah you you have it here in your notes did he tell the parents well so here's so so six kids died let's just say is that part of his mission too i now have to write quote letters to home this might be different i might have to go find them yeah and that's and, part of his burden. And then go to other parents and like, your kids may or may not be uh, some Knights of Ren. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. Right. yeah. We don't know yet. Yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's why I'm wondering if he immediately in that moment, he knows he failed. He knows he feels bad. He knows he did all these things. He's lost life's, uh, lives here. Um, he's got to report back to Leia, too. Oh, my gosh. Hey, um, so that thing about your nephew, my, my nephew, uh, got a problem. Got a problem here. Do you think there was an immediate sense, uh, Joseph, there that he was like, ah, let's go. I, I got to go help make this right. I want to believe that he tried one more time with Kylo. Because mm-hmm. we have that dialogue where in Force Awakens, where Leia and Han are discussing mm. if Luke couldn't get through to him. And she's like, Luke's a Jedi, you're his father. Ah, So I like the idea. Yeah. I, and I think that works with what's there. Uh, mm-hmm. if, the, if, if he did pretty much go from there to, I'm going to Octu. I don't think he did. Yeah. But I like the idea that he would try to approach Kylo one more time. Track them down. Yeah, to, and to me like that, I know lots of fans have lots of really mixed and strong opinions about this mm-hmm. moment, and one of the big criticisms of Last Jedi of like, well, Luke would never raise a lightsaber to his mm-hmm. nephew. nephew. Yeah. But what I really love about that moment is I think it is just crystallized what I think Luke is struggling with mm-hmm. of, I want to have a 
peaceful Jedi order. I want to have mastery and I want to have learned all these lessons. Mm. And he's got these conflicting lessons of Jedi are protectors. And he saw all of these horrors coming from Kylo. And on one hand, like, I want to be a Jedi. I want to protect the galaxy from this. I want to protect Ah, my loved ones from this. But also Jedi believe never given to fear. And he gives in to fear for half a second. Mm. And I think that's what he can't forgive himself for. He Mm. ignites that blade for just a second thinking, I should do my duty. But, oh, actually, it's not just my duty that I'm responding to. It's the fear of Ben. And I, I, so I, I love that because I think it crystallizes everything yeah. that Luke is wrestling with. And I think even if he approached him again, like we're talking about, uh, from Luke's perspective, uh, he was able to rescue Vader because Vader had family mm. as the thing that pulled him back to the light. Right. And for Ben, I think family is partially what pushed him to yeah. the dark. Mm-hmm. So I think from Luke's perspective, it's like it, it's not just a question of who is the most evil, can you save them or not? Yeah, Luke saw a path to saving Vader and I think Luke, whether he is correct or not for himself, couldn't see a path to getting through mm. to Ben and I would I would love to see a scene where that even plays out more That's great. Of like, I don't have anything to offer you because <laughs> family I, oh, we I, I, I was what brought yeah. Vader uh, what mm. brought Ben Anakin yeah. because his love for me and for yeah. Leia yeah. we pushed you away it, I can't I don't know how to bring you back then. It's interesting to see if those moments connect up. I, I you know, I, sometimes you get a sense that on crate, that's the first time Kyle has really seen him since then, but maybe messages sent him. I would like to think there's one, one moment that, and you said, Leia said it, you know, if, if, if Luke couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I hope there's that one moment. I hope there is. Do you think Ray was right uh, in, in saying, yeah, it was your, one of your big mistakes was you thought Ben didn't have a choice. Do you think that that's some truth from Ray, a little truth bomb that got uh, Luke thinking again? Yeah. I, I wonder about, and that, you guys have read more about this, but mm. his relationship, Luke's relationship with, with Ben when he was younger, before he started training him. Yeah. Because that's where it's like you could never, I mean, it's foolish of him to think that he could possibly get Ben back if he didn't already have a prior relationship with him before he before he was training him he's mm-hmm. gonna see ben is gonna see him in a particular light and so uh, it's just really interesting because it then i look at luke and i'm like well where were you as an uncle yeah. no wonder no wonder ben fell yeah. because yeah. you were never around how would you possibly think that he's gonna listen to you he missed and at so, least one birthday while he was learning to <laughs> force fish for a year yeah, yeah. yeah. right right <laughs> exactly so i can see i Suddenly, take Kylo Ren's perspective. I'm like, yeah, you you were never around. You didn't care about me. Yeah, Luke comes back. You guys back were trying to squash me for the party. Luke comes back and just throws a big fish with three eyes on the <laughs> ben, ben, ben Solo's table. Someday I'll teach you how to do this. The right. fall does happen. The details might get filled in in another point in Star Wars canon, but we know this: Leia digs deeper into politics uh, and leading and building a resistance because the First Order has uh, uh, risen, so to speak. It's starting to at least. Han and Chewie split. Which I always find it's weird that Chewie's so low. He's like, yeah, I'll run with you. I'll, I'll, I'll head out. <laughs> right. Um, but did Luke go to Octo? You just kind of mentioned it there, Joseph. Did, do you think that he went to Octo? I'm out of here. I'm going to disconnect from the Force at the place where kind of the Force began for the Jedi? Or do you think he went there initially for some other reason? I think that uh, he went there to have his own final internal battle with the, what is it to be a mm-hmm. Jedi? Should the order 
even continue. Should be. And then I think on that, I think he's telling the straight up truth in Last Jedi. Like I went to what I knew to be the hardest place in the galaxy to find. Hide, burn it down. He's like, I'm, (laughs) I'm taking. I can't do. I'm only making things worse. Yeah. I tried to raise up the future, and I raised destruction instead. So I'm going to go away. It's not the first time we would have had heard Luke say, I'm endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come. Yeah. So he goes and runs off. And clearly, we know from the, the last Jedi novelization, Jason, Jason Fry writes that, you know, Force Awakens, he's on that hill because he just failed again at trying to burn down the temple, something he seemed to really want to do a lot. Because I, I think there's this part of him that's pushing to be like, I need to make a choice. I need to be active. I need to do mm-hmm. something. Maybe I can help the galaxy the most by just maybe the Jedi do just every time we take an action, there's an equal and opposite reaction or even not even equal, mm-hmm. a, an explosion of violence when we step yeah. up. So yeah. maybe just taking the Jedi Order out of things. Yeah. And an honest reckoning with the true mistakes of the past, mm. as we hear him document in The Last Jedi. Absolutely. Mm. And uh, he, I think, has learned a little bit of the first story. I don't know to which degree he knows, because he's disconnected. We know that. But it seems to, I don't know, if, if Snoke, if they're aware of Snoke, and Leia's talking to him at least at some point, um, I don't think he bolted and just didn't tell Han and Leia what happened to their kid. Do you think maybe the final part of it, too, is he's is the First Order's now back, and he's like, the essentially the Empire's back. We're back to square, square one, and I didn't do anything about it. I failed. I'm going to go destroy the Jedi Temple. That Do you think the First Order factored into anything of his brain there, Jen? Yeah, I would, yeah, I would say so. And I think, I like what you're saying, Joseph, because the, him making that choice, it is a choice. It is something proactive. It's not like him being, oh, I'm just going to, you know, whiny kid going mm. off and be like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. It really is like, I am endangering the galaxy. I need to remove myself. And I also think it was him trying to recenter himself and go, what, maybe trying to find answers. And maybe at some point he's just like, eh, F it. I'm just yeah. going to, I'm just going to be here right. because I, this is where I need to be. And I think the big question of The Last Jedi is, I think that's Luke's perspective at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but I think this really uh, factors into whether people enjoy The Last Jedi or not. Ultimately, is uh, he starts there. I don't think that's where he ends. No, no. Because I think he he goes there with that. This is the right choice to separate myself and to maybe end the Jedi Order. So Mm -hmm. it's active, but also inactive. Right. I think Mm -hmm. the big uh, implication of the First Order, you know, I don't know exactly. Obviously, they're aware of Snoke. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much. It right, looks like yes, I sense his incredible waves of dark energy. Or, yeah, you know, what, what exactly what that is, but I think it'd be very, very clear to Luke of like, I am going to be asked to fight. I, mm. right. that's what Leia is going to want of me. Uh, clearly, almost Snoke and Kylo are terrified of Luke. So I think in all of this history, yeah. I think he is also every once in a while going like, oh, by the way, I'm insanely powerful. Right, mm. uh, like nuts powerful learned a lot of things the last few years and i get the sense of like yeah if you really want me to i i could maybe kill snoke i could maybe wave my hand and just decimate Mm. you know Mm. a a whole planet full of walkers if i like maybe he is that insanely powerful right but he doesn't want to fight yeah that's the lesson that he learned in the classic trilogy and that i think is what he's been wrestling with over all these decades we're discussing of Mm. do i solve anything ever by igniting that blade. In fact, no, I ignited that blade for a second, and, and I turned my. Na- I put the final nail, yeah, in the coffin of Ben Solo, and he emerged as Kylo Ren because I ignited that blade. Everybody on both sides, yeah. Snoke's going to want to fight me because he's going to want to kill me. Yeah. Leia's going to want me to stand up and lead the army. I am not fighting. 
It is a little bit back to where we started. It's the bad Star Wars poetry in Luke's head. You yeah. know? Ugh, we got we got another Vader type character. We got another Emperor type character. It is what I like about the JJ kind of rebooting it in that way. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, and, and it does to, to me make sense for Luke to be like, oh, I did this. I must end it. In some way, is he right to want to end the Jedi Order from his perspective at that point? It changes. Yeah. I think this idea of a new kind of Jedi is interesting to me. But he was right. We're prequelist. We think he's right a little bit about that hubris and folly. Absolutely. I think that's honoring George Lucas's story. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Jen, did you want him to burn down the tree? I guess that's the question. No. <laughs> no, no I, I didn't. I thought it was a really cool looking tree. And speaking of that moment. Yeah. Yoda pops up. Mm-hmm. Do you think at any point during this time on Octo that do you think that's the do you get the sense that's the first time? I kind of do, but do you think at, at any point Yoda was like, "Oh, you're staying. I let me teach you how to make soup." Like, yes. do you think this is the first time? I get the sense it is a little bit, but do you want there to be another time? I kind of like the idea that Yoda just shows up to badger him. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like he's like the the nagging the nagging thing on your shoulder that's telling you to do something, and and Luke is just trying to tune him out. Yeah. But I, I do get the sense that that was the first time. Because I know he disconnects himself from the Force. Right. <laughs> I know that. I think he puts his... his yeah. I like the idea of the Force that he puts his Force voicemail on. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Yoda can't get to him in this dark period. Right. right. I do like that idea. Yeah. yeah like um, that. What specifically in this final point in this section here, what do we think brought Luke back to the Force? Connection of things. Leia, we know. Mm-hmm. He senses mm-hmm. that. Ray's given him the speech of here's what's going on. That doesn't seem to work. There's something else about the lesson. I love... Ray and her, you know, you're wrong. You were wrong about Ben, but also he knows, Luke knows that maybe he was right now. I don't know. There's a weird thing. What do you think? Anything specific or a collection of thoughts that brought him back? Yeah, I think it is that thread of hope that Ray tells him. Leia is looking to you for hope, which I think is a a counterpoint to she's not looking for me to just fight. She's looking for me to be a symbol. Right. And that's something good and strong and pure that the Jedi can be. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. I think Yoda saying... um, Look, I know that I really said you're wrong for staring off into the horizon. I know I really lectured you about not being a warrior. I really lectured you about just mastery. But I'm also coming back to say, and maybe I rode you a little too hard (laughs) back on Dagobah. And I'm saying you can also learn from making mistakes. Yeah. And I I feel like Yoda, that's Yoda's mea culpa of saying, I set you on this path of mastery and Mm -hmm. purity over everything else. And the reality is... It's a messy galaxy, yeah. and we do our best, and you made a mistake, and maybe other people can learn from your mistake. Ray's right in front of you. She can learn from your mistake. Yeah. Don't handle her like she's a piece of dynamite like you did Yeah, With Kylo. Learn from that mistake. Hey, you taught me f- about my mistakes. Yeah. And I learned from you, and now, you know, so I think that is it. But then I think the biggest thing to me is, is Ray offering him that blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says to Yoda, I can't be what she wants me to be. And I think Yoda basically encourages him to find a way to be what she needs to be. And I think he makes that final point of like, Mm -hmm. ah, I confused uh, inactivity is a valid choice. Right. And it is inactivity is as much of a bold choice is is making a, a huge action. Yeah. And I think the beauty of The Last Jedi is that he makes that choice of like i can find a way to be pure and true to myself and my vision of who i am as a jedi yeah it doesn't have to be everybody's vision of of a jedi ray might be different but i i can be a version of what she needs me to be Mm -hmm. which is you know hope a myth a symbol i can i can take up that blade right 
And I love the idea of Jason Fry's novelization, that prologue of even in his dreams, a force is trying to communicate in some way of you didn't get involved. If this you didn't get involved, this is what happened, and you're inactive again. Yeah. Don't do that. That's Stepping a away thing. is not the answer. Not the and answer. And I think that's why I'm okay with that's where The Last Jedi starts, because I feel like very strongly it ends at yeah. stepping away is not the answer. Not the answer. And JJ did have him step away when he doesn't react to Hosnian and Prime, five planets going. He's definitely away. Uh, Jen, do you have any thoughts of what brought him back? I just think about his, about seeing Ray and his relationship with Ray in combination with all the things that you've mentioned. I think that he that he sees he sees the the purity of her, the good in her, the struggle where she's like the desperation. Please teach me. I don't know what is going on inside me. I need your help. And obviously, he doesn't want to help her in that moment. But I do think that there that he's watching her, and it's like sowing those seeds of like oh. There, there is good. Mm. There is good. And this is a, a young girl who has, there's hope in mm. the galaxy. I think it's a really good point. And particularly, I think when Ray so strongly says, you didn't fail, Kylo. Kyle failed you. Mm-hmm. And I won't. And like maybe just letting that idea in to just be yes. like, it was an impossible situation. I did my best. I could have done everything differently. And he might have still fallen to the dark side. Maybe it's not solely my fault, my responsibility, putting that idea into his head. Mm-hmm. It certainly seems like he has that in his mm. head when he faces Kylo. Right. Mm. Mm. Which he does face Kylo. Part six. See you around, kid. This is where <laughs> we look a little bit here uh, at, at what might happen. What might go on here in episode nine. We know Mark Hamill's there. He's got a beard. And we know there's going to be some sort of Luke Skywalker action in the story there. But what do we think? What do we want Luke's part in episode nine to be? Will he bring a new definition of what a Force ghost is? And will somehow he face Kylo Ren one last time in another form or another? What do you guys think about looking forward with Luke Skywalker? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, we we know. Wait, do we know that he's going to be back? We know, right? We know yeah. he's back. We know, we know he's, he's back. back. Yeah, right? Mark oh, Hamill right. is confirmed. It was, it was confirmed. So in unless the, he's uh, playing uh, yeah. Duke Star Killer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so obviously Force goes. And I don't believe fat flashback. I mean, flashbacks are always possible now, yeah. Um, yeah. but it doesn't seem to be the case. No. Joseph, any thoughts then on what you want? Yeah, I I definitely like the idea of a Force ghost. I like him uh, continuing some of these ideas of like um, continuing to mentor Ray. So maybe we can even get some more explicit thoughts on like, mm-hmm. here's what I wrestled with when the Jedi were my responsibility. Now that they're yours, you convinced me that Jedi need to exist. Yeah, Here's some things that I can tell you. Follow, you know, Follow your bliss. Follow follow mm-hmm. this part of your journey, of your heart. Uh, yeah. That kind of thing. My really wild, crazy uh, headcanon uh, theory, I don't think will, will pan out. I like the idea that Anakin just appeared for a moment at the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. Because... There was he hadn't learned how to yeah. do this. He he He's did like, this very Whoa. he did this very <laughs> selfless act, and maybe through Yoda and Obi Wan, even Qui Gon's power, he was able to be there right. for a moment. Right. And I like the idea that maybe Luke is so powerful, what he can do in the Force is he can gather mm. the existence, the awareness, the consciousness of Anakin Skywalker mm. and present him to Kylo. Yeah, like I, maybe Kylo is about to do the, the final act. There's no turning back. Right, and. Luke summons Anakin for Anakin to have a talk with his grandson about mm. don't do this. 
It would tie up a lot of things and go yeah. back to episode seven, which is what JJ promises nine will do. Yeah, it ties up a lot. Wild, of Wild, crazy stuff. I don't uh, think will actually happen. I, I, yeah, I understand what you mean too, because I'm I'm interested in this uh, fight on an ethereal plane, uh, yeah. force ghost fighting a, a, a whatever Snoke might be ghost. You know, these things I don't think are going to happen, <laughs> but I like this idea because I love that Yoda brought Yoda brought lightning and a bop on the head. Something we didn't think of force. We thought a force ghost could, force ghost could sit on a log, is all we previously thought. Very powerful. Uh, log I love this idea of something new coming from Luke, Jen. Yeah. I th- what I think of is I think of J.J. Abrams as a creator. He's he's not like Ryan Johnson. He's not like Dave Filoni. So we're not going to get something wacky. I think we're going to mm-hmm. get something pretty straightforward and something like what we've seen in the past. But I think that what he says might be something different, how he delivers it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. No, no, uh, no world between worlds. I don't think right, we're right. going to be getting that kind of <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely don't think he'll be back in the flesh. I think it'll right. be some new definition, potentially, of what a force ghost would be. But interesting, you know, no space whales, puffer pigs, or no. world, be- world between yeah. worlds. What do you want, Ken, between simply, like, the most uh, obvious, he gives Ray beautiful wisdom. Maybe mm-hmm. the third lesson from The Last Jedi. Oh, there you go. Um, or do you want him to take some kind of action? I want some kind of action. I really do. I don't want an, uh, you know, not in, inactive is not the way, but like just sitting there on a log talking to Ray. I wouldn't mind that. It'd be an, a fun parallel just to watch Mark Hamill on the other side of that yeah. as a performer. But in terms of story, because of where we are, and episode nine might be tying up a lot of things. I want I want Luke involved in some other level. He's on the other side. He might have more answers. He might be able to see things. And... I don't necessarily think Snoke's in this film because I'm not sure what Andy Serkis is doing, but guess what? You could add that in. To, we talk about castings. Oh, yeah. You could add that in with two weeks to go. Yeah. Um, like, there could uh, be something I'm fun busy there. fighting uh, robe ghost. Uh, robe ghost. Evil robe ghost. Uh, the last yeah. thing I wanted to say real quick is that it would be an interesting perspective, too, if, if Luke had come around to... I can't save Kylo, which mm. I think I am where he's at at The Last Jedi. Yep. Like, I can't, but Ray, you opened up to my eyes that he can be redeemed. Right. And maybe you can... Re- I can't. I couldn't because I was a part of his fall. But maybe you can, right? I do like... Th- if, we, if we're going to get advice, that's the kind of advice I want. Not yeah. just like her going, Master uh, Skywalker, chapter two of this old book I didn't understand. <laughs> well, that's about uh, form seven of the lightsaber <laughs> All right. That is our journey now, but some extra pieces here. I know we got a long episode here, but uh, do you think Luke had time to find love? Is there another Skywalker child out there? We know Mark Hamill thought, well, my backstory, Luke got married, the kid died, there was some tragedy, and that's why I'm kind of run off. That's his actor mm. uh, research into this mm. role. But just in general, do you think, do we want, I'm not even saying Mara Jade, do you think at any point in his travels, he's like, ah, you know what, the, the old Jedi denied themselves uh, love and attachment, uh, I'm going to go in on it here. No. Do you think? No? No. I think okay. that he was so focused, um, and like like a like a priest or like a monk, and just so focused on his, on learning and research and discovery, as we talked about. I think that there were probably moments where he had connections, but he I'm imagining he lived like a nomadic life, right? Right. So he knew that he, he didn't. He knew that he couldn't be there emotionally for a, another yeah. person, uh, man or woman yeah. or alien, and so you know. He yeah. just had to live that life. And I don't necessarily want Luke to have, you know, a, a, a squeeze in every port here, like he's a <laughs> sailor. But, you know, it is kind of weird to think of a, 
of a of a of a bastard child out there. Like it's yeah. Game of Thrones lore here. But you know, you know, we don't know what happened. Yeah, I'm open to there being more storytelling because this this is enough to sort of flesh out his arc. But there's mm-hmm. also room to really put in other things. So I'd be open to some. Uh, this yeah. is a weird phrase. I was going to say meat and potatoes romance that he just <laughs> he did meet someone, and for five of these years he yeah. was living a, a like a plain and peaceful life on a small planet to see what that's like, and maybe right. there could be a child he didn't know about. I'm more interested in this super weird. Maybe he went to a weird planet and just force communed with people, and he, yeah. he, he made a force being, and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> Like if you wanted to have a random weird Skywalker yeah. of like in some peaceful, beautiful, non-directly sexual way. Yeah. He influenced the midichlorians to create another Skywalker and he doesn't even know. Doesn't even wow. This name's Plagueis Skywalker. <laughs> I love that there. Final thought. What if Luke never went to Octo? What if he never? What What if he rolled up his sleeves and got in? Would we be as satisfied with that potential story if he shows up? <laughs> Hello, I'm General Skywalker. Here to save the day again. Watch YouTube to see people's. I'm sure that there's all these theories of what, what they would have liked. I'm poking a, a sleeping bear here. A right, bit, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I got nothing. I'll say this: I'm glad he went to Octo. I think he went to. I think it was the right choice for him, and I think the force is like, oh, Luke, you're gonna do that? All right, uh, awaken Ray. Yeah, and I there think, you go. And then I, I think it, it was. I think it's uh, it is natural. The natural cycle of like one master uh, is ready to hang up the robes yeah. and pass them on. Pass it on. Pass on what you have learned. That is the journey of Luke Skywalker, according to Force Center. It's all fact. It's all canon. No. We had a lot of fun. There's a lot of room to play with the story. What do you guys think? Let us know. Reach out. Use the hashtag Force Center. Uh, how off base were we? What 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 areas would you want to expand on? And we might come back to visit some of There's a lot there with Kylo. The fall of Kylo is interesting and, and, and layered and articulated in a lot different way than just the fall of Anakin was. And, and though that one was uh, was good as well uh, fast for me fast for me but we could we got to see it we didn't see the fall of ben yet yeah we could, we could see it play out just as fast so that is that for the main story there but as always we like to take audience questions joseph that's right we got some great audience questions thank you ken for putting together that comprehensive uh, uh list that thanks, was awesome thanks for indulging my sunday afternoon laments <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so we'll dive into audience questions uh first up we have from scott o'neill uh, what do you think the odds are of a Snoke appearance in Resistance? Do you think we'll get some backstory? Oh. Ken? At this point, ten, less than 10%. Less than 10%, huh? We'll see what season two brings. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, I'll jump in because that's actually my answer. I think it does depend a little bit on the first season. I think yeah. even as creators who plan ahead, sometimes the show tells you where it wants to go. And if the pilot stuff is like fun, yeah. but it's not getting traction, that maybe suddenly it will become like Rebels, the holder of huge Star Wars canon. Yeah. Gosh, can you imagine? I want to see Snoke in animated form, anime form. Yeah. That yeah. would be really interesting. Look how, sh- think cool. how shiny that robe would be. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, definitely season two, if it happens. Or yeah. season three. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So Thanks, Ken. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, great, maybe. Great question. Uh, Dan uh, Kinescu, uh, I believe is how it's pronounced. And if not, I apologize. Uh, Dan says, do Wookiees dye their hair? I imagine they have insecure teenager demographics. <laughs> <laughs> How do Wookiees lash out, Jen? They do. They dye their hair because I saw, I took a photo of Chewie's angels at Comic-Con. <laughs> and they were, there was one that was, uh, had purple, purple hair, teal hair, and hot pink. 
And it nice. was amazing looking. And I cannot imagine that they would not do that in world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Star Wars. I, I would like the idea that it's something, to, uh, you know, like a warrior color, you know, oh. like there could be mm. like, uh, if it's, if it's, you know, we, I know we've seen them in action without it, but like, you know, if you dive in like, Oh, we're going to fight. Like, you know, that's why all of our uh, arms are painted red or something like that. You know? Oh yeah. That. Yeah. I do like the idea of a, of a mother just being like, Oh, you're, you're beautiful. <laughs> chestnut Brown. You've made bright fuchsia. <laughs> uh, I think that they, uh, they rebel by what they, uh, weave into their fur. Oh, I like that. Cause you know, like a Tarful's got a lot of stuff in he there. Does. Uh, oh, yes. So like maybe they put stuff like mm-hmm. we don't, we, that's not something we wrap in our fur. Tarful. Uh, <laughs> Miss you. I will. Uh, we're going to move on to our Patreon questions. Laura Martin asks, what is your absolute favorite Star Wars quote and why? For example, my favorite quote is when Luke says, I am a Jedi like my father before me. I love how confident he is in his choice to reject the dark side and how this line also shows the faith he has in there still being good deep within Vader. That's why this is my favorite line. This is a huge question. Yeah. It's a huge question that we might have to come back and really dive in because yeah. I'm trying to give it some kind of weight and gravitas and I always come back to, uh, that's the last mistake you'll ever make, which has no, <laughs> I just have used it a lot in my life. And I love, I love when Luke kind of snaps a little bit there. Yeah. Because he is like, oh. like, I warned you like three times. Yeah. I've made this whole convoluted plot. And all right. I offered you peace. Yeah. That's the last mistake you'll ever make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about ones that you incorporate in your daily life, hello, what have we here? Like stuff like that. But yeah. I think of, it all comes down to Yoda. Obviously, I said, yeah. do not. There is no try. Greatest teacher failure is. One of my favorites is luminous beings. Are we mm. not this crude matter? Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. That's yeah. That's great. Uh, for daily use, I will make it legal. That pops up all the yes. time. I really like, I will make it legal. Yes. Uh, <laughs> always with him. It cannot be done as a great Yoda one because mm. you run into that. <laughs> sometimes yep. you work with people. Uh, but for me, honestly, right now it is from the last Jedi. It is the, the rebellion is war reborn mm. today. The war is just beginning and I will not be The Last Jedi because it ties so much to what we were talking about of Perfect. Last Jedi is the arc of Luke's return to being a hero and uh, yeah. belief in the cause of the Jedi. Love just, it. I still get goosebumps. Final question is from Anne H. Imagine you work in advertising and have a history of handling some galactic propaganda. You are approached to create a recruitment slogan for the new Jedi Order led by Rey. What slogan do you suggest be used on the first set of recruitment posters? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll throw out a couple of thoughts yeah, and leave, yeah. leave it to you guys to close out because I got a chance to look at this. Uh, you could go just really tradi- uh, traditional uh, or inspired by, I guess, the real world. And you could have a, a poster with Luke's face that just says hope. Yeah. Because uh, I feel okay. like that's that's what he did. He that gave the work. galaxy hope uh, there at the end of Last Jedi and Crate. Um, you could have one that's more negative that just says, uh, just say no to Kylo. <laughs> so it could be about fighting the First Order. Uh, and my final one is more of like trying mm. to discover mm. uh, Jedi out there and just one that says, can you move rocks? Yeah. <laughs> then great. contact this hollow number. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I like that. Mine was uh, mine was in the same ballpark. I was going to say, uh, Jedi, the Jedi school, it really is about moving rocks. Just like, <laughs> boom. Oh, those are so good. Yeah. You guys. Yeah. Mine uh, has to rhyme. Be like Ray. Fight this way. 
that. As a photo of is, Roy that, like, uh, is it philosophically fight this way, or is it like a direction to sign up here, like <laughs> with an arrow? Oh, yeah. Hey, it's, there it's both. both. It's both. both. It's both. Perfect. It's double. Be like Ray. Full fight this way. That's the new Star Wars quote I'm going to use in my <laughs> everyday life. Those are great, great questions. We have a, a bunch more uh, from Patreon and from Facebook and Twitter on deck. We will be getting to as many of them as we can. Thank you all for sending them in. Absolutely. Yeah, and Laura, Dan, Scott, great stuff there. That is the end of a supersized edition of the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, the prize student of Luke's class of Jedi. Uh, you can have, uh, if you have thoughts and want to join the conversation, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Force Center Pod, Instagram at Force Center Pod, Facebook page at Force Center Podcast, website is forcecenterpod.podomatic.net, new merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. As always, tweet us your merch picks and we'll reshare them. Podcast is available on Podomatic, Podomatic Mobile, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Joseph, over on Patreon, we're still building towards some goals. That is right. We are still building towards this goal of commentary for all the movies. If you want to be uh, inspired, you can check out our commentary for The Last Jedi that is out on YouTube and available in audio form to patrons. If you're interested in helping us out, go to patreon.com slash center. Jennifer, good to have you back. Thank you. Uh, but so that people uh, will never lose you again, where can they follow <laughs> you? <laughs> back from vacation, you can follow me on all the social media sites at Jennifer Landa. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, yet, please check out my latest Happy Beeps episode all about Katie Lucas and her inspirations for Asajj Ventress and Savage Opress. It's so good, Jennifer. Thank you. I am behind on that one. It is on my to-do list. Joseph... You've got a lot of things going on as always. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And then for all of my other adventures, lots of stuff coming up, uh, comedy albums, uh, live shows, other podcasts like Obsessed, that's all in on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can follow me at Catnapsock. That includes Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. All around the internet, we all are, but we're glad you guys are here with us. Full Force Center. So, for Luke, for the caretakers and the Porgs, oh, we didn't even get to their part of the journey in Luke's story, but we'll see you next time.